Warning, content not suitable for children. Listener discretion advised, yo. Screaming Chewy Show, your source of entertainment and overall fuckery. And it starts now. Everyone, welcome back to another exciting episode of Screaming Chewy Show. And I'd like to welcome actor Scott Schwartz. Hey, Scott, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, Chewy. How you doing? Pretty good. Can't complain. Can't complain. All things considered. <laughs> awesome, man. So I just want to say, man, I'm a big fan. You know, I've seen you in a Christmas story, the toy with a Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. Thank you. All good stuff. And, uh, man, I, I bet, well, so how was, how's the acting, man? Is it fun? Is it a lot of work? You know, I think when you're a kid, you know, just depending on you, it's all really depending on the person you are, you know? I mean, it, and it depends on, on the material you're doing. If you're doing science fiction, if you're doing horror, if you're doing comedy, everything's kind of different. Uh, I mean, I had a blast, you know, I had a blast doing all the stuff that I did. It was work, but it was also fun. So, you know, I've always kind of I've handled it that way. I mean, if you love it, I mean, I mean, I think I would have trouble memorizing lines. I think I would miss that up bad. <laughs> it, listen, it's not for everybody. You know, it, it's kind of like, you know, it's saying, well, you know, you, you might you think you might have a problem memorizing lines. Okay. But if you were a plumber and you know how to fix the pipes, that's great. I wouldn't have a clue how to do that. <laughs> you know, I'm looking for a wrench. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Everybody's got their own gig. And uh, how was it working with uh, Richard Pryor? Fantastic. Greatest guy I've ever known. He was just fun and let it let it loose and let it go and flowed. But I mean, it's, it's, you know, everybody's always oh, crazy. I'm like, nah, he was actually pretty quiet off the set, you know, sat in his chair, very studious, underlining things, highlighting things. I mean, there were jokes and things like that, but he was kind of like the wind up doll, you know, it kind of just sat peacefully. And then when you wound him up, then he went. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I never expected him to be like that. I mean, because I used to watch his like old stand-up and stuff, and man, he was wild. Well, yeah, but he he wanted to be well-rounded, well-educated, well-informed. So he was always reading things and 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 learning. You know, love to learn. You know, that was him. 
Oh wow. Damn, man. And um, yeah, that movie, The Toy Man, <laughs> great flick, man. And stuff like that would not fly today, but I mean, I think it's it's awesome. But again, I think it's who's doing it. You know, I mean, it came from a French film, which was a white guy with a white kid. They bring it to the States. Columbia buys it. Okay, fine. There were very few guys that could have done what he did. It's like, you know, Richard, so, you know, he's wild and crazy and all those fun things and all that. If they had put, if, if they had put um, Morgan Freeman in that role, <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson in that role, you know, I mean, I'm trying to think of, you know, some of the other guys from, from that era. And it's just, there's not many that could have pulled it off the way that he did, you know? And it's like today, who are you going to put in the role? You know, I mean, I could say the typical Kevin Hart, you know, because he does everything. <laughs> so it's like, is he that guy that could pull that off? You know, because I mean, they say, oh, well, you know, it's slavery because I'm like, no, you know, it's a relationship movie. It's a mm -hmm. kid who's, who's wants attention, needs, needs love from his father, needs attention. He's not getting it. So he does things to try and get his father to give him more attention and of course, in so learning how to be a good person and a nice guy and a good kid and, you know, and the movie ends up, you know, the father and the son come together. So it's really a relationship movie all the way around. So it really has nothing to do with, you know, anything else. And I've, I've said to everybody I've, that's ever asked me about it, I said, okay, I don't care what race, creed, color, doesn't matter. When somebody says, hey, I want you to play with my kid for a week, I'm going to give you three grand. We're all signing up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> very true. And uh yeah, that that's a very deep way to put it, man. It's about a father and son relationship. Wow. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, I mean, that's really what it is. The kid wants his love and attention from the father. You know? And it he ends up, you know, renting, buying Richard Pryor because he knows that it's gonna get a reaction, but he wants attention. You know, oh wow! It's it's like walking up to a storefront window and breaking it. You're looking for attention. Hey, very true. You, even bad attention is attention, right? Not necessarily. <laughs> there's, there's that old saying, you know, any PR in Hollywood is good PR. I don't believe that either. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I could see that. So, uh, what what got you into acting? Just kind of happened. I, I was uh, attending a film club with my dad in New York. And after a couple of years, one of the guys there who knew me, uh, I was the only kid there. It was all, all adults and me, basically. Um, but he was producing a commercial and said, hey, I'm doing this. I think you'd be great. I ended up doing it. Then afterwards, he goes, the camera loves you. You're wonderful. You got to keep doing this. And then put us on to a, a casting director. And then met a couple of agents, signed with one of them, and off and running. Wow. Got hooked up. <laughs> but again, it's a hookup, yes, but then it's what did I bring to the table? You know, as, as it, you know, some talent, a look, whatever it was, they still had to say yes. Very true. You know, I, I, I saw both, both agents, and they were like, you're wonderful. We want to sign you. And after the first one, we're like, well, we did make another appointment. That's the right thing to do. 
you know, saw them and then went back and spoke to the casting director. who seemed like a very nice lady. And she said, well, I think this person would be better for you. That was it. Oh, wow. You know? But a kid, the kid's got to have, you know, there's a talent, there's a look. You just got to have that. If you don't, you don't. That's how that goes. You know, there are great looking kids who couldn't act their way out of a paper bag. <laughs> there are there are great actors who, if you looked at them, you'd be like, uh, no. The camera don't like them. <laughs> Very true. And um, so what's in it for, uh, for your career nowadays? Um, doing anything, uh, writing any books, any movies? I do have a book that that's written. It would have been out this year, except for the COVID thing. And so, and, and the election. So they pushed it back to next year and, you know, working on a little few little things with, with some friends and putting together some stuff. Hopefully that, uh, you know, once this is semi all over, we can get all get back to work. There's actually something to go back to work to. Right. <laughs> man, this has been a fucking crazy ass year, man. <sighs> it's, uh, it's wild. <laughs> it's wild, man. You know, yeah. I don't think anybody saw this one coming. Very true, man. I mean, I think we all thought it was going to be over pretty soon, and then uh, now it's like fucking almost August. <laughs> uh, you know, information is is golden, and they got first information. Then they get second information. They find out the first information is wrong. They get the second information. The second information is wrong. Then they get the third information. And that's how this is. This is science. You know, this is doctors and science. That's what this becomes. You know, we didn't have to wear a mask in January, February, March, you know, April. No, you know, we didn't know that because they said it wasn't in the air. It wasn't transferable. That's when it first hit, you know, when it first happened. And then, you know, then, then it, when it hit, physically got to the United States, you know, things started happening. But even the doctors that we watch on TV said, no, 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 no. It's going to be okay. Don't freak out. Don't panic. We don't have to do nothing. Don't have to wear a mask. Don't have. But that's that month or those couple of weeks. And then they find out more. And, they, you know, and it changes like the wind, basically. <laughs> yeah. You know. But unfortunately, we have a media that, you know, well, but you said two weeks ago, it's like, we understand that, but things change. You got to roll with what goes on, you know? Oh, but this, oh, but that. Don't give me oh, but. It's what's got to get done. Yeah, it sucks. We understand that, you know? But we all just kind of got to play ball and do what needs to be and get through this thing. Very true. Got to stick together and just... Get through it. <laughs> Listen, most of the people that you hear say, we are all in this together. You hear that on TV, celebrities, and I'm going, yeah, it must be rough in your 8,500 square foot house with your hot tub in your pool. <laughs> and the guy that does your, the woman that does your laundry or the chef and it, it must be real. Yeah. We're all in this together. Sure. Okay. No, just, just, do what you're supposed to do. Everybody just do what you're supposed to do. We're all in the same boat when you go out in the, in the public. You know, we go to Walmart, we go to Costco, we go to the grocery store, we go to the gas station. We do all the things that we normally do. 
which in my eyes means you should go to voting polls come November, just like we do. If we can go to Costco and Walmart and stand online, we can stand online to vote just like we do every other election season. But again, that's me. You can agree, you can disagree. It's okay. You're not going to hurt my feelings. I, you know, I'm just kind of like, you know, let's see where this thing goes. Let's see what happens here. You know, a lot of things are being said. A lot of things are being done. And again, it's not only us. This is the entire planet working on something. How long can it go for? Yeah, that's... I, 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 you know, I sort of get that, I get that feeling like November 4th, something's going to happen, you know, but not right. November 2nd, okay? <laughs> but that's me. I think you're right, man. It definitely, I mean, uh, it's like, well, you know, I think those uh, murder hornets, they, they had a short little uh, burst. I thought it was going to be crazy, but they were just in and out, right? <laughs> that was like an egg timer. I mean, it was tick, 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 tick. Okay, what happened? It's all done. You know, we're being invaded. Oh, Jesus. Come on, people. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I just say uh, get, the, get that bug of salt, that little shotgun that shoots salt. <laughs> whatever works you know oh this is gonna happen okay <laughs> uh, you know everybody becomes Nostradamus everybody predicts the future this is what's gonna happen great and every, you know. everybody becomes an expert <laughs> oh it's amazing it's kind of like what I said before you know I'm an actor that's you know what I do I mean I can do other things in in and around the entertainment industry and I know a lot of things about a lot of things because I did a lot of different jobs growing up. I worked as a window cleaner with my dad. I did carpeting. I did, you know, drywall, that kind of stuff. Okay. But I'm not an expert in electrical work and heating and air conditioning. I know if, if you hand me a jack to change a tire, I can do it. May take me twice as long as the guy that knows what he's doing, but I could do it. <laughs> you know, a good way to put it man try and be a logical and sensible person you know people will hear me say things oh you're this way or you're that way and i'm like actually no i'm neither i'm up the middle show me what you want to do i'll make my decision from there i like the way you think smart man realistically we all should think in the middle this person's got good ideas. This person's got ideas. These are good. These are bad. You, you, you bunch them all together. You write pros, cons, figure it out. That's how you should do it. Everybody has their emotions and their feelings and everything gets involved. And it's just like, nope, take that out. That has yeah. nothing to do with what goes on in the country. Exactly. Like you know, the- or really in anything. You know, you could have a best friend for 20 years and all of a sudden, they do something or you do something, whatever it is. And then you're not best friends anymore. Okay. Something had to, you know, didn't just, you didn't just pick something out of the air and go, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. So Hollywood, man, um, sounds like a busy life. <laughs> um, Sometimes. <laughs> so uh, most people think that, um, you know, show business, um, you know, you just go up there and they think acting is pretty easy, but I mean, I'm pretty sure it's not right. I mean, fuck man. Um, well, 
unless you were saying like you got it right, unless you got that talent, then uh, you think it makes it easier. Well, sure, but you know, it's the worst job in the world. It truly is. First of all, ninety nine point nine percent of actors are out of work. That's just how that is because there's so many people in the industry. Okay, you could be Marlon Brando, Gary Cooper, Clint Eastwood, Morgan Freeman. You could be great actor, wonderful actor. If the person sitting on the other side of the table doesn't see it, you go home. Damn. You could be. We're we're a good example. How tall are you? Five seven. Okay, you're five seven. You're a little bit bigger than I am. I'm five two. Maybe they're looking for that five foot seven guy, and I walk in the room and they go, "Thanks for coming in. We really appreciate it. You know, whatever." But they're looking for the five foot seven. Maybe they're looking for a guy with with medium length hair, not short length hair. They have no imagination. You wow. Know, they're looking for somebody with blue eyes, brown eyes, green eyes, whatever. You know, they're looking for a, a straight blonde, but we're more brunette. This is how this goes. You know, you kind of have to fit the mold of what they want before you open your mouth. <laughs> Has nothing to do with acting ability whatsoever. You have to be that, that, that person in their oh. eyes. So as soon as you walk in right there. Well, again, it, it all depends on how many people they're seeing. It, you have casting directors. Then you have uh, producers, directors that see, you know, audition tapes. Now, the job of, you know, your casting director is to sort of put together people that they think will gel, will work together, look good. Okay, fine. So if 400 people go up for the same role, by the time you get what they call a callback, when you go back the second time, it could be down to 100. And the third time, it could be down to 25. And the fourth time, it's down to five. And the fifth time, it's down to two. Damn. You know, so they're trying to mix and match to, uh, to make what they think is going to be the best cast going. Uh, another film I did called Kid Co., Okay. Uh, I had done the toy already with Pryor and Gleason. I met with the director and I hadn't seen what the kid looked like because it was based on a true story. But if we stood next to each other as kids, we probably could have been mistaken for brothers. So wow. we did have a, a general look similar, you know, similar look. So he told my agent, he goes, listen, I think, Scotty is right for the role. I want him to audition with some of the other girls, with some of the, you know, the girls that would play his sister. So they probably had over the course of a couple of days, you know, maybe six or eight, 10 that came in and I would study with them for a few minutes. Then I would read with them and then they would leave. So it wasn't my audition. It was them playing off of me to see who would work. Wow. See if there was chemistry in a... Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So how, how was it doing a kid code? Uh, that was, I mean, of, of the three movies that I did, that's really the one that I am most proud of for the amount of work that I did. I'm in 98% of the movie. You know, I worked every day. I worked overtime every day. 
um, scheduling was, originally was not going to work and it was going to go over when the toy was opening in the theaters. And uh, I went, I, I called for a meeting with the producers and the direct, uh, the two producers, the director and the first AD. And, you know, I said, Hey, we got to get this thing done early. We, we can't go late because this is what I got going on. They threw me out of the room. They talked to my dad. They called me back in and they basically, as like sitting at the poker table, they called my bluff, not realizing I wasn't bluffing. You know, I mean, I was 14 years old. So you could say that I had done one movie four months, but I stood toe to toe with Richard Pryor, Jackie Gleason, Ned Beatty, Wilfred Hyde White, Teresa Ganzel, and on and on for Ray Stark and Richard Donner. So I, I held know. my own. So I felt pretty good. You know, I knew I could do my job. And uh, so when they, they called me back in the room, they said, okay, you know, you, you think that we're going to get done early or we have to get done early. So what do you want to do? Tell us the first thing you want to do. Now this is nine 30 at night, the night before we're supposed to start shooting. Wow. And we were, we were actually in Tucson. We shot it in Tucson, Arizona. Oh, badass. Tucson and old Tucson is where we shot. And, uh, out of my mouth flew. Well, I looked at the shooting schedule and we're shooting at the house this day and this day. So why don't we combine them and get this all done here? And we're at the barn this day, but then we're over here two weeks later. Why don't we knock that out? Oh, we have the courtroom scene over here. Why don't we do the other courtroom? So this is what I did. I started putting pieces of the puzzle together Wow! and, uh, they were just like, sure. Okay. And it, it was weird because the, the role that I was playing was a kid who was a, uh, a go-getter, you know, he was always running bingo games and fleecing people and doing all kinds of stuff, you know, in school and all that kind of stuff. So here I am, and this is what I'm doing. And they're going, we picked the right, we picked the right kid. There's no question because it was like, I was there. And once I started doing that, I mean, literally we got to shooting and it, it flowed and it was great because I came to work prepared every day. I knew everybody's lines. I knew what, what I was doing and hoped everybody else knew what they were doing, you know? And, and, you know, again, the, the, the father in the movie, his name was Charlie Hallahan. Probably don't know him by name, but you remember the thing with Kurt Russell? Oh, I love that movie. He's the guy who's laying on the table the creature comes out and his head comes off and the head grows the legs and runs away. Yeah. He's, he's my dad in kid co. Oh shit. You know, and he, uh, there's just one large courtroom scene that we had to do. And they had two days planned to do this. Cause it was a whole diatribe that I'm speaking and doing pacing back and forth and this whole thing in the courtroom. And I was like eight tenths of the way through and I was getting stuck. I just got to a certain point and I hit the wall, you know, and his room was a couple of doors down from me at the, the hotel, the motel we were staying at. And I knocked on his door one night. I said, Hey, Charlie, I need, I need help. He says, what do you need? So I told him, he goes, come on and let's go. Bang. Automatic. Cause he knew I'm bringing it every day. You know, the kids, they were the other girls that were the sisters were great. A couple of times people just, they just hit a mental block. You know, and I would tell him, listen, if you're getting stuck or whatever, just stick your, just tap my foot with your foot or just hit my toe and that'll clue me in that we just got to, 
you know, keep it going. Okay. Um, and, and we actually finished 10 days ahead of schedule, which is unheard of. Kicking ass. And you were 14 years old? Yeah. Kicking yeah, so that's really, ass. That's really the proudest, you know, job that I did because of what I did. I mean, it was every day, overtime every day. I was working 12, 15 hours a day. Six days a week, but I'm bringing it and I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go every day. But you do the right things. Even at that age, I understood, okay, I, I get back to my room and, you know, and I've had dinner and it's eight o'clock at night. Okay. Well, I could play video games until midnight <laughs> and, and I got, and I got a, a 6.15 AM pickup or do I watch a few minutes of television or I play a half an hour and 9.30 I'm sleeping. So I get a full day's rest, full evening's rest, you know, get up a few minutes early which is what I normally did. My pickups were normally 6.15, 6.30 a.m. And I'd get up by 5.30. Jump in a quick shower, sit down, look at the shooting schedule. What scenes are we doing today? Okay, fine. I've already, you know, been reading them over. Just doing a quick refresher. Go, go down to the lobby, get a cup of coffee, wait for my pickup. I'm reading the script. I'm looking, I'm making sure, I'm picturing what I'm going to do. I have a photographic memory and a photographic head. So I'm always putting myself in where I'm supposed to be, you know, and uh, they pick me up, go to the set, get another cup of coffee, bagel, get into makeup and hair. Let's go. So at 14 years old, you're already more responsible than most adults. <laughs> uh, lesson learned throughout the time that I was in the business because, I mean, I did over 100 commercials. I did hundred voiceovers. I did Broadway. I did off Broadway. That stuff, you have to hit your marks, do your dialogue. Go. I mean, it, it is what it is. I do the toy. There was a lot of ad libbing, you know, just throwing stuff all over the place. You kind of just throw stuff on the wall and you see what sticks, you know, dialogue wise, you don't have to stick to the script. Prior and Gleason weren't going to do that. You know, I did for like two weeks, 10 days. And then I did the same thing they did. Okay. Um, so I was, I was sort of, I don't want to say molded, but they, those guys kind of molded me into knowing what to do, how to handle yourself on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, you do a commercial, it's one day, you get up early in the morning, you go there, you do it, you go home, end of job. You know, you're on a set for three months, four months, whatever it is, you got to bring it every day, you know? That's and again, I, I, I never did the pianist or La La Land or, you know, heavy dramas, the green book, you know, no, I never did that stuff. You know, I did lighthearted stuff and that was fine. You know, you could do that all day, all night. Okay, fine. No problem. You know, but you still got to have that inside you to be able to do. For sure. You know? And I did. So it was easy. You had that drive too, you know. Oh, hey, you know, again, even when you go and you, you start doing commercials and stuff like that, you know that you're responsible to do your job, you know. So by the time I get to Broadway, even though, you know, was, we did 29 previews and opening night, and we closed. It was at the time the biggest non-musical flop in the history of Broadway. It was called Frankenstein. So it's based on Frankenstein. Um, not a musical, you know. And we had a great cast, but the monster talked. And if you 
follow anything about Frankenstein as far as the book with Mary Shelley and whatever. They hated the monster talking. They hated it. Mm -hmm. And in the, the Broadway version, he talked and they clobbered us with reviews and we ended up closing due to several other things. Um, but I mean, you know, but you learn the experiences, two months of rehearsals before you get to the theater, you know. So you learn how to bring it every day and be responsible. Damn. Yeah, most people don't realize. I mean, man, 15, you know, 12, 16-hour days every day. Damn, every day. Six, six days a week. Got to bring it. It's your job. And you know, now, again, that was because we were in Arizona. If you do that in California, you can't. You know, from my knowledge, there is no such thing as overtime in California. Oh, really? For, for a kid. Oh, no, can't do it. Against, and against you know, SAG, union, child labor laws, state of California rules. But you go to other places, you're still under the union's rules, but state, state laws don't say you have to do this. No. You know, I mean, when I was doing the toy, did I do some overtime? Yeah, a little bit, because everybody farted around and okay, fine, no problem. You know, when I did Kid Co, by the time, you know, again, after I, I started doing Kid Co, I was already basically my own boss. You know, we had a, we had a friend of the family who came with me. Um, I knew him since I was a baby. My family were friends with him for years. He had a rough job. Go to his room, get up with me in the morning, go over to the set, hang out, have a cup of coffee, bagel, and hang out. Go to my trailer and hang out. Watch TV and hang out. That was his job because I didn't have one question for him. Nothing. I handled myself. <laughs> you know? But yeah. now the, the process is supposed to be they came to me and they would say, Scott, we want you to work overtime today, so please call your dad or, you know, ask your guardian, whatever. Of course, my guardian didn't make any decisions. He didn't do that, you know. Now, if I had called my dad, he just said, how you feel? Okay, go go do it. Okay, fine. That was it, you know. You go to work. Um, they would ask me. I'd go to the trailer, get a bottle of water, sit down for a minute, come back out, and go, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> You're like, I got this. <laughs> I got it. No problem. And, you know, for you to be that young and make all these decisions and the head guys of the, the film are like, okay, let's do that. I mean, that says the law right there. So I, I left out the middle of, of what happened when they threw me out of the room. They looked at my father, <coughs> excuse me, and they go, listen, movies don't get made faster. They get made slower. That's just the process. If we're going to have a problem, it's okay. You guys can go home. We'll recast this thing tomorrow. We'll get somebody else here. And my father's like, you don't understand. My kid just got done with doing four months with Gleason and Pryor and Ray Stark and Richard Donner. He believes he's Godzilla. He's secretariat. <laughs> just get on his back. He's going to ride you to the finish line. This is what my father told him. I'd done one movie. And they're like, nah. he's like, Talk to my kid. Just talk to him. You'll see. Then they called me back in. And of course, they didn't expect the answer that they got to that question. So they saw I was not. No, that wasn't me. Hey, this is the job. This is what we got to do. Let's do it. So they, they put two ounces of trust in me. And by the end of the first week, they had 100% trust in me. Because I'm bringing it. No problem. You know, 
And every, it seemed like every day we were doing something extra, something more to knock the time off the back end. You know, that the courtroom scene that I was talking about that they had planned for two days. So Charlie helped me out. I go to the set the next morning. I get the, the, my pickup guy to pick me up half an hour early. He picked me up 530 in the morning. So I go over to the set. I grab a, a bagel and a cup of coffee. Okay, because the crew guys are already there, you know. I went in the courtroom. I kind of did my pacing on my own. I turned around. I grabbed the camera guy. I said, come with me for a minute. Now, he, now this is five, six weeks in, five weeks in. So he knows. If I ask him to come to the set, he comes to the set. He knows we're going to do business here. I come in the room and I said, listen, you're going to lay the dolly down. You're going to be doing just pacing me. I said, just walk the pace with me. Because inevitably, you're pushing the camera, but it's the same walking, you know. Well, we did it maybe four or five times, six times. He paced me back and forth. Okay. They laid the track down. They laid the dolly. They put the camera on the, on the track. Okay, fine. They get all of the people in the back of the room, all the extras and everybody else. They get everybody set up. And uh, our director, Ron Maxwell, goes, okay, we got time for this. We don't have to rush it. I said, Ron, let's go. He's like, okay, you know, we're going to rehearse. Why? Let's just shoot it. This is film. This wasn't, you know, digital. Film costs money. Digital costs spit. But we're shooting on, on 35. So he goes, are you sure? I said, yeah. You know, I, I can't remember. I got to remember the name of the camera guy's name. But I said, yeah, we're set. We're good. And he, looks at, he looked at him and he goes, you good? And he goes, we're good. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Literally this one track was supposed to really be laid on that spot until lunch. We started at like 8.15, 8.30, whatever it was. And lunch was going to be like 12.30, 1 o'clock. Yeah. 40 minutes later, we're moving the track already. Holy shit. I went bang, 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 bang. We did it four times. All four times worked. Ron goes, we got it. Move it along. <laughs> Wow. So you cut it like 10 times shorter like that. Cut a half a day worth of work just like that because you go to work prepared. You know, you, you go that extra step. You tell the guy, the transportation coordinator that's picked, that's going to set your pickup. You tell him the night before, Hey, what time's pickup tomorrow? Oh, we're picking you up six 30. No, pick me up six o'clock. Pick me up uh, six, six 15. Pick me up five 30. I got to get up anyway. What's the difference? 15 minutes. You get up, take a shower. Okay, fine. Go down. I'm in the set in 10 minutes. Go have my coffee. Okay, I'm good. Let's go to work. Damn, man. <laughs> wow. So when most kids are like, you know, messing around or something, you're business, man, all business. When, when you need to be that way. Mm -hmm. I was a jokester. I pulled pranks and jokes and stuff. I learned that from Richard, you know, he's like, Hey, you can't always be serious, man. You know, have fun with the whole process, you know, and I watch things and learn things and, you know, the different things that people did. And, you know, you know, the, 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 the camera guy always has his little pad that he sticks on the end of the lens. Okay. So I tell the guy in the camera truck, Give me the, give me the box of pads. <laughs> so he gave me the box of pads. So I took them. I put them in my trailer, but I got, I, but I got one in my pocket. Okay. 
get to the set, there's no pad on the end of the of the loop that the guy's looking through. Remember the camera guy? He's asking the AD, hey, you know, the camera guy, where's the thing? I don't know. Nobody can find the box. He goes, what do you mean nobody can find the box? The box is 12 by 12. What do you mean nobody? Go find the box. You got to get. Now, I don't let this go on for very long because we do have to work. But it was just funny because he sends the guy away and then the guy came back. Now, you have to realize all the other camera guys knew what I was doing. <laughs> so they just all played around with the joke, you know. And then finally, you know, when the guy came back, I said, so I go up and I go, dude, do everything on this set here. I put my pocket I, here. Here's the pad. Because how do you, he goes, how the hell do you have it? I said, I got all of them. I just had a goof with you, you know. He's all going crazy, looking everywhere. <laughs> oh, of course, you know. But it, it, two, three minutes. I didn't go on for a half an hour, just a couple minutes, just to have fun with them. You know, the lighting guys, they've always got their gels and all that stuff. Oh, please, you move it from one side of a truck to another. They can't find it. They're looking over here. No, it's over there, but it's always over here. Messing with people on the set, <laughs> you know, or the, the 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 sound guy comes and he mics you up, you know, and and they got to you know they say all right you know give me a test you know one, count you know countdown whatever you know four three two one whatever, and I would go, <laughs> and he'd go, no, is your mic on? Yeah, I think so. Hold on. Yeah, no, no, it says on. All right, we'll give it to me again. Okay. <laughs> He's all trying to figure it out, pressing buttons and switches. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and he's looking at me. <laughs> Stuff like that, you know. You just have fun with people, and they appreciate it because they know when you start cracking up that, oh, geez, okay, fine. We're good, okay. Then other people on the set laughing too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, working a lot of hours, working hard. I mean, you got to have fun, right? You got to laugh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, the food truck, you know, you know, you got to, you, you, you know, it's, it, my personality has always been very outgoing. So I always make friends with people. Just that's just how I am. Now, the food guy is one of the most in people, people on the set, for God's sakes, he's feeding you. So it's like, you know, when somebody, you know, oh, they, they, they eat this, but they don't eat that, whatever it was. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was. I, I think it was a grip or a tech guy, one of them. And uh, they always had the salads, you know, so they would have a chicken salad or a tuna salad or whatever it was. So I told the guy in the truck, I said, listen, let me make his salad. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> and I go and I would just start pulling all kinds of stuff. Tomato, onion, this, that, whatever the hell. All just all kinds of and I'm just throwing it into this thing, you know, and chopping up. You know, put put beef in his salad. He didn't <laughs> he didn't eat beef. He would eat chicken, but he wouldn't eat beef, you know. <laughs> so he goes and you know, he comes up, all right, can I get my salad? Oh yeah, I got your salad. Okay, hands him a salad, you know, he goes, sits down, you know, he takes a bite, and then he realizes there's beef in the salad. Dude, what are you feeding me? I told you I don't eat beef. Oh man, I, I, don't, I don't know how that happened. You know, maybe you ask Scotty. He's the one who made your salad. It's all over. <laughs> He's on. There's a the cook right there. Just have fun. 
Hey, good thing he wasn't allergic to it, right? <laughs> no, no, nothing like that. You know, nothing crazy. Just a couple little pranks here and there, right? You have to. You have to. You got to, you got, again, you know, there are people that are very ultra serious about their job. So you really can't do much to goof on them, you know, other than you talk to them. Because you kind of listen to what they like, what they don't like, how they express themselves and whatever. And inevitably you find the thing that you know is going to just drive them batty. You know, whatever it is, doesn't matter. And just go talk to them and say, hey, you know, yeah, the Yankees are doing great. You know that that person loves the Red Sox. You know it's going to drive them bananas if you talk about the Yankees all day. <laughs> you're not hurting anybody's feelings. You know, you're not really doing anything wrong. You know, but, you know, by the end of the day, after you've talked to this person all day about the Yankees, you know, you go up to him and say, by the way, you know, I hear you're a big Red Sox fan. I figure maybe I turn you into a Yankee fan. Oh, geez, man. Really? Come on. Hey, so I'm sure you've noticed I've been getting a lot more celebrity guests on my show. And this is all thanks to Steve Joyner. He's a publicist. And man, this guy takes his work seriously. He does not fuck around. And this guy is keeping me busy, yo. He is, yeah, I'm just getting so many celebrity guests. Thank you so much, Steve Joyner. And um, if you yourself are an actor, director, producer, and you are looking for a, a publicist, do not hesitate to contact Steve, right? He is a really cool guy. You'll love him, okay? His phone number is 816 605-4561 or if you would like to email him it's uh, all one word starts with a capital S and it's stevesjnetwork at gmail.com so again starts with a capital S and then it's t-e-v-e-s-j-n-e-t-w-o-r-k at gmail.com Tell him Screamy Chewy sent you. You will not be disappointed. And uh, yeah, so big shout out to you, Steve. Thanks again, bro. Peace. I got a good idea. I might get hungry later, baby. Hold this hot dog for me. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it feels like when you're broke down. See, this is why when I transport weed, I only carry one gram on me, but I carry it in a, like an 800-pound safe. We are Happy Hour News Team. Follow us. We love Florida, man. They say damaged. No. <laughs> if you don't, if you don't know where you're at, oh, I know where I'm at. Oh, but you just said, "Where am I?" Well, I was trying to like sit with myself. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. Where Fuck, there's a microphone. <laughs> I think you've had too much drink, buddy. 
We are happy hour news team. We are happy hour news team. You can't be fixed. All the women in the neighborhood, they say you're damaged. What the fuck are you talking about? We are happy hour news team. Follow us. Let's uh, let's get back around to to our regular regularly scheduled bullshit. <laughs> hey, I'm Stephen Webb, the host of Living Deeper Lives, a podcast that looks deeper into what it means to be human, so you can overcome your suffering and start living a full life. And you're currently listening to the Screaming Chewy Show. <laughs> get a Yankees banner or something, put it up. Oh God. <laughs> Man, good stuff. It sounds like real. Sounds like a lot of work, but like you said, it sounds fun. You know, like um, pays off. Every job is what you make it. Every job is what you make it. You know, like I said, I mean, I, I, you know, almost every film that I've done, I've had a good time on. You know, it is a little bit more work now than fun. You know, there's more money at stake. More people have more on the line and at risk and all that kind of stuff. So you can't quite pull the same kind of shenanigans, but sometimes you can, you know, but it's, I was doing a film actually it never came out in the U S came out overseas and whatever. It's called the garbage man. It was with Frank Stallone, Richard Lynch, um, the big heavy set guy from Borat. Oh, that shit. Was his friend. Yeah. And, uh, I'm playing a gay bodybuilder. <laughs> okay. Now, Frank is the, next to me, he's the biggest heterosexual male I've ever met. Loves women. I love women. Okay, fine. So we're at this big table and kind of doing the scene and whatever. And the, uh, one of the producers said to, hey, listen, Frank's been having one of those days. He's just in a horrifying mood. You got to cheer him up somehow, you know. Okay. So me being the size that I am, I'm all a five foot two. I crawled under the table. Now, he can't see me, but I'm, like, massaging his legs <laughs> under the table. And at first, he didn't move because he figured it had to be one of the girls that, you know, whatever. And I just kept going, kept going, kept going. And finally, he looked down. He goes, Holy Jesus. What's going on? I... <laughs> oh, he starts cracking up. And of course, I'm I'm playing the gay bodybuilder. I'm like, what are you, what's so upset about? What are you so upset about? Come on. <laughs> well, he just lost it. He starts laughing, and the director looked at me and he's like, "Yeah, boy, good job." You know. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, scared the shit out of him. What the? F- <laughs> exactly. But he cracked up though. That was the whole point. You know, and that's perfect too that you were playing a gay bodybuilder. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So uh, was that a recent movie? No, God, no. Did that in eighty? No, I did like ninety-one, maybe something like that. Oh, okay. I definitely got to check that out. I... No, it's nowhere to be found, man. I don't even think they put it out on video. Oh man. I don't even have. I I think somewhere I have like. 
uh, a screener copy of it somewhere. I have it on VHS. It's never been on DVD. It never, nothing. Damn, you it know? sounds like a funny movie. <laughs> it was cute. It was a cute picture. You know, it was a, you know, 14 day paycheck. Okay, thanks. But in that, in, here, in that situation, okay, I'm going to the audition and uh, a friend of mine that I've known for decades, I knew at the time, at that time for a couple of years, and he was gay. And I called him up and I said, I said, I got a question. I'm going out for this thing. I'm supposed to play a gay bodybuilder. I said, you know, do I go in as me and then go into character and then say goodbye as me? He goes, no, of course you can't do that. He goes, from the time you walk in that door, you are as gay as a $3 bill. <laughs> when you walk out of that room, you go back to being you again. I said, okay. So I walked in, you know, and I mean, there's, you know, a lot of people. I, I, and, and the casting director was standing at the, at the sheet, the sign-in sheet. And I walked in and I go, everybody's so busy. It's so busy today. <laughs> so I started there, came in the room. And I mean, I did my, you know, the few lines they had me doing, whatever. But I stayed in the character while I was talking to her, you know. So she says, you know. Oh, I saw you in the toy. That was great. You know, Christmas story was nothing back then. You know, it was all about, you know, she had seen me in the toy. Thank you. That's a, that's a wonderful movie. You know, so I did the whole thing and I didn't break character and I left. Get in my car. I was about halfway home and my agent calls me up and she's like, um, I need to talk to you. I said, what's up? She goes, um, the casting director believes that you're gay. <laughs> I said, okay. She goes, but I know you've dated women. And I said, of course I've dated women, I'm not gay. It's the character. So she said her and I had this five, six minute chat. I told her I did the whole, you know, whatever. And she goes, that was ingenious. She goes, they called already. You got the job. Wow. I said, great. From the moment I stepped on that set, I was in character. Those, I was the entire time, you know. Now, what was really funny was Frank knew I was straight or I was heterosexual, however you want to say it. And I had actually sort of dated one of the girls that was on the set, sort of dated, you know, whatever. But I told her, you can't break my cover. Don't say anything. And, uh, I mean, I had a blast. I mean, just, you know, there were other gay guys on the set. And they're like, oh, do you hang out here? Do you hang out there? I'm like, no, not really. You know, I kind of just keep it under wraps, you know. And, and one of the girls, uh, we were shooting part of it at Muscle Beach in Venice, California out here. One of the girls had wrenched her back. And the girl that I had sort of dated knew that I'm pretty good with my hands and I'm a good, I give a good massage. She says, why don't you go help her? She's in pain. Okay. She thinks I'm gay. <laughs> so I tell her, you know, listen, you know, I do, I can give her a massage. I can, you know, tell me what's wrong. You know, this is Hollywood. This is Cal, this is LA. This is what we, you know, this is, this is showbiz folks. 
go to her trailer, open up the door. She says, oh, good, and just drops the robe, and she's flat naked, lays on the on the little bed thing in her trailer. Nice. <laughs> you know, the three or four times I gave her a massage, it was quite a lot of fun. But she, and, and she's like, you know, you're so wonderful, and, you know, you. how long have you been gay? Yeah, I mean, she didn't know for years afterwards. Not years. years afterwards. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. How was her reaction when uh, she found out you weren't gay? Well, she cracked up because I didn't, I didn't do anything improper. You know, I did nothing improper whatsoever. You know, this hurts, this hurts. Okay, fine. You know, I did what she needed to get done. But when she did find out, she, she sent me a message on social media. And she goes, am I really to understand you're straight? And I said, absolutely. <laughs> she said, and I, she goes, I got naked and you didn't do anything. I said, of course not. You know, it's not me. I don't do that stuff. You know, I said, you were in pain. I took care of you, whatever. I said, it was great misogyny. I got to tell you, you're gorgeous. You know, it was a lot of fun, but you know, she's like, oh my God. And then she was like, but I got naked. I said, so what, what did I do? Did I do anything? She said, no. I said, okay. And I mean, she ended up doing some TV stuff where she ended up being naked anyway. So I was like, who cares? <laughs> Welcome to Hollywood. Oh man. Wow, that's some acting right there. You had everybody convinced that you were gay on the set. Oh, there was no question. No question. From the time I got there till the time I left, every day. It was great. So would that be considered your longest-running prank on the set? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Probably. Probably. But it was fun. You know, uh, one of the one of the crew guys was trying to set me up with one of his friends. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, no, nah, I'm just I'm not dating anybody right now. You know? <laughs> oh no, no, but he's really nice. And he's a good looking guy. I'm like, That's nice. You know, it's not. A thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, thank you. But <laughs> thank you. No, I'm not, uh, you know, not dating, concentrating on my career. <laughs> Did any of the gay guys that hit on you? On the set? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. They didn't do any, again, they didn't do anything improper. They're just like, hey, you want to go have a beer or a drink after work? And I'm like, no, nah, I got a long drive, you know, but thank you. you know. <laughs> oh, that's fucking great. But they're no different than heterosexual males with women or women who are single with good-looking guys who are single. They're just saying, hey, you want to come hang out? You want to, you know, whatever. Nothing wrong with that. Yep. Just yeah. respectful and, yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, listen, I found it a compliment. I'm like, hey, check it out. I'm, I'm wanted. <laughs> Yo, I got options. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, man, that's fucking great. And um, how was it working with that fat guy from Borat? I think, I've, I think that's the only movie I've seen him in. Or am I, maybe another movie? He's done, some other, he's done some other stuff as well. He was fun. They were all fun. No, they were all fun to work with. It was a fun, it was a fun crew and a fun cast. You know, Richard Lynch was great. I kept talking to him. Now again, he thinks that I'm gay, and I'm doing this whole thing about Chuck Norris in uh, Invasion USA because that's the movie they're in together, you know. And I'm doing this whole thing with going. Chuck's abs were just, oh my god, you know. And he's laughing, you know. 
That's what we do. <laughs> oh my god. That's fucking great. Never broke character. Nope. <laughs> so, um, would you would you ever play another gay guy again, given the opportunity? Well, sure, but I can't do the same thing because everybody knows that, you know, <laughs> I'm not so. And in today's world, I don't even know if they would cast me in that anymore. Because now, you know, if you're playing a, you know, you're 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 playing whatever, you're supposed to be that now. We've given up, you know, the imagination acting role. You know, if you're oh, playing damn. transgender, you have to be transgender. Because if Jared Leto didn't do a great job and win an Academy Award for playing a transgender, you know, now they want to cast a transgender as a transgender. They want to cast this as this, and you know, voiceovers, you know. You, you can't have a white guy doing a black guy or a black guy doing a white guy or a white guy doing an Asian guy. Or, wow. This is, the whole, this is the whole new thing now. That's a shame, uh, man. Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson, I think, was supposed to play a character, I think a transgender of some kind or whatever it was. And the transgender community was up in arms because she's not transgender. And they oh want a transgender. So she quit she she turned around and she she told the producers i'm sorry i can't do this that's she had to make a, a public she had to make a public statement that said i'm not going to do it because yeah it's called acting Sorry. it's like saying uh roy rogers grows up in southern california oh i'm sorry you can't play a cowboy anymore because you're not from texas <laughs> you know really that's kind of what we're 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 at right now. Damn, man! You know, like you said, uh, they have no imagination. Because I mean, even actors in like cartoons and stuff, you know, like like the guy that plays Apu in The Simpsons, he's like from India or something. Like, you know, I'm pretty sure he's not from India. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was the other? There was one other person that I use as a great example. Um, Oh God! Um, Copland, Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel is Jewish. Okay, how can he play an Italian now? Oh, Jewish. Now you got to have somebody who's an Italian American play this character because a Jewish guy can't play an Italian anymore. You know, can't show up. How you doing? Like the thing with the guy in the plate. Yeah, I'm going to do that. But the thing the guy in the plate, can't do that no more now because I'm not Italian. I'm Jewish, you know. Harvey's Jewish. How's he going to play? I feel bad for him. You're going to lose roles now. It's like, really? You know? Yeah, that would really limit your, yeah, like your roles, yeah. But that's, it's Hollywood. It's make-believe. That's the whole point. You know, I'm sorry if anybody's disappointed that Dorothy really did not go to see the Wicked Old Witch of the West. No, it didn't happen. It's called imagination. It's called fantasy land. That's what Hollywood is. It tells stories. It's fantasy land. You know, Willy Wonka was not really Gene Wilder, or Gene Wilder was not really Willy Wonka. I'm sorry to tell everybody that. You know, the Oompa Loompas were not really Oompa Loompas. They got a costume. So, you know, it's just where does it stop? It's like, you know, come on. Let's be reasonable here. Hollywood is Hollywood. It tells stories. It tells fantasies. It it scares you. It makes you moves you emotionally. Whatever it is, 
Like they're actors. This is what they do. This is what we do. You know, you're playing somebody else. That's acting. You know, like so many actors, uh, I would see them in movies uh, with like a British accent or something, and they do that in quite a bit of movies. And then they have a, or or they sound American, you know, like us. But then they do an interview with them, and they have an accent from like Australia or something. I'm like, what the fuck? That's the yeah. that's the real accent. What? The- <laughs> Hello, how are you? Good to see you, love. How are you, Chewy? You look lovely today. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> no, I can't do that. Thank you. You know. Yeah, that that's really good acting right there. You know, when a, when you see an actor and a, he's a bad guy and you fucking hate him, that's when you know he's a good actor because you forget he's an actor, you know? Yeah, that's what it is. It's fantasy land. You know, I mean, I hate, I hate to kind of, again, blow everybody's fantasy. Tom Cruise is not really flying the plane in Top Gun. <laughs> so what what do we have to do now? We have to replace Tom Cruise, who's a megastar, with a guy that really flies the plane? Really? <laughs> Who couldn't act his way out of a paper bag? But he can fly that plane, though. I mean, where does it end? Where does it kind of stop? You know, you know Hollywood is kind of different than most because, again, you, you can't fake certain things. You're, you're a good actor. You're a horrific actor. That's how that goes. Take take 100 actors and put them in a kitchen and say, okay, you know, cook us some pasta. Maybe 50 of them know how to cook the pasta. Maybe 50 of them don't. But they're not a chef. That's not what they do. Very true. You know, you put me in the kitchen, dude, I can make some smoking macaroni and cheese. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, and I got a few other things I can make, but outside of that, you know, you start telling me, okay, we're going to make a brisket and we're going to, uh, you know, okay, I got to try and I'll, I'll, I'll do the best I can. We'll see what happens, you know. Did I make it too well done? Is it okay? Is it medium? Okay, you know, you kind of look at it, you open it up and you go, it's still red in the inside. All right, so it's kind of like medium something. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's good to go. <laughs> good to go. Make the sandwich. Yeah, and you know, what's next? They shut down old Tucson here because they ain't real cowboys, the actors. <laughs> Man, that's such a shame. I didn't know Hollywood was getting that bad, but, um, you know, I do recall some, uh, I remember uh, Scarlett Johansson was doing that movie where she's like a robot, like a cyborg. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And people were mad because she's not really Asian, like, because it's from an anime. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's the character that they're doing. That's the role, you know? I mean, you know, and I understand sort of the diversity thing, and I get that. But let's say you're doing a a period piece, you know, the Roman Empire. How are you going to pull that off? <laughs> you know, how are you going to do it? You know, you're doing, you know, something, you know, about uh, 14th century Japan. How are you going to pull off diversity? You know, you're, you're, you're doing a show in, uh, in Mississippi, you know, or about something about Mississippi in the 40s. How are you going to pull off diversity? It's predominantly black. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. You know, 
there, so I mean, there are so many things that it's like, you know, if you don't have a certain amount of minorities in a movie, it's not going to be nominated for an Academy Award. It's not. What are you doing? You're telling creators that they have to create things that are not necessarily so or true or whatever. Now, if you're creating a, in a, in a, uh, oh God, uh, um, oh my God, uh, uh, the Schwarzenegger picture with Sharon Stone. Oh, uh, True Lies. Oh, never mind. No, no, that's that's uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. The one it, it takes place in space. Oh, Total Recall. Thank you. Okay, you're doing Total Recall. You can do whatever you want. It's not a real place. It's an imaginary place, so you can fill it with whatever you want. You know, if you're doing something that's of a real place, it's a real place. You know. Especially if it's a period piece of any of any kind, you know, you know there there were people that that now have come up and said Christmas Story is not really a good movie because it's not it doesn't have diversity. Wow. Now there's, there's actually I mean in in the the bully scene where uh, uh, Scott Farkas beats up Ralphie, you know, there's one or two black kids that were there. I think I think one of them is in the schoolroom, whatever. But all of a sudden we were against, you know against the race. I'm like, really? You're talking about Indiana in the forties. This is who was there. This was a real place. They had real people. This is who was there. So what are we supposed to do? Change history, change a time to fit the narrative of it has to be diversity. Correct. It doesn't work like that. Very true. You know, again, I'm not against diversity. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, you know, the stories that are real are real. Road to Perdition with Tom Hanks. Okay, how are you going to change the two, three main characters? They're real people. <laughs> yeah. They're three white guys. How are you going to change that? Very true. People you know, want to complain for whatever reason, seems like. You know, you want to fill in the blanks in, in the supporting people for maybe the jail or the whatever, add some diversity to it. That's great. Okay. But the main cast members, are the, they are who they are. Those are real people. You know? Um, you know, Dwayne Johnson is a hell of an actor. Oh, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't think he's going to pull off Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> oh, my God. I could picture. <laughs> you know, what are we going to do? Where yeah. Uh, you know, The Life of JFK starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Come on. Oh, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> you know, hey, Richard Nixon. Oh, I'm not a crook. Well, my name is Dwayne Johnson. I mean, come on, really? Though with tattoos and shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Okay, start the tape. Stop the tape. Okay. You know, no. That's a real good that's impersonation. <laughs> Thank you. That's not to say that Dwayne's not a decent actor. He is a decent actor. I love the Fast and the Furious stuff with him and some of the other stuff. He's at Skyscraper or whatever. San Andreas. Okay. That's his character. Those are made up. You know? Yeah. Hopefully uh, people will come to their senses and uh, hopefully this is not a permanent thing, but... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm actually kind of, I'm just starting to kind of work on something with Todd Bridges from Different Strokes. Okay. And I, the two lead characters, 
One's a bumbling idiot. One's a high-powered attorney. I'm going to let you guess who's the high-powered attorney and who's the bumbling idiot. <laughs> Damn, man. That's a tough one. Um, I, I don't know, man, honestly. <laughs> I'm the bumbling fool. He's the high-powered attorney. I could, I could totally see you as a high-powered attorney also. That was the point. Could have seen it either way, but I said, you know what? I want to see him as the high-powered attorney because I think he'll excel in that role. And being the bumbling fool, I can excel in that role. You know, we each have our, our uh, you know, the things that we do. We have our skill set, you know. Now, I know I can do the bumbling fool. I told him, I said, dude, I want to see you just, I want to see you turn into Johnny Cochran, the high-powered, slick-talking, great attorney. Damn. There you go. <laughs> and um, so you got anything, uh, can you say any details about that when it's going to come out or? Um... No, no, we, we, we're in the pre-production phase. Oh, okay. You know. So again, because of what's going on, you know, we, you know, we got a fairly decent idea, I think, of you know, approximate when we're going to do it. Actually, you know, but it's got to be done right because of all this stuff and whatever, and where we're going to shoot it and all these things. You know, but it'd, it'd be twenty twenty one at some point. You know, it would be around, but you know, awesome. It was something to do. Yeah, well, definitely you know? keep me posted on that, man. I'd love to watch it. Yeah, I put it up on my social media and say, okay, this is coming, whatever. All right, here we go. No. I'm bad about that stuff. And, and it's not you or anybody else. You know, I'm 52 years old, man. <laughs> I'm not a 26 year old kid sitting there on their Twitter feed going, blah, 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 blah. I don't do that. You know, that's just not who I am. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I get it. And you got to have people do it when you get to that point. In the meantime, you got to do it yourself. Okay, fine. You know, actually, I actually have, Somebody who helps me out with, with one of the pages on social media for me. Okay, fine. He's a friend of mine, you know, but I'm, I'm not going to have 28 million followers, you know. I'm not young enough, cute enough, and I don't have, you know, a great tush and nice breasts, you know. That's just how that goes. <laughs> like the Instagram models? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> now, nah, see, so it's like you want to – you go to some of the, the – uh, autograph shows or the, you know, conventions and stuff like that. And you see some of these people that are Instagram models or YouTube, this or that, you know, and, uh, and they're getting table space as celebrities. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you're not a celebrity. Yeah. It's very different. You know, you're a manufactured personality basically. Mm hmm. You know, if you had what I had and I had what you had, still be the same thing. A man, you'd be a manufactured personality, yeah. you know? And I mean, every show only has so many tables for celebrities and who can sign and how many people they'll bring in, their expenses, whatever. And I mean, there's shows that I've sent, you know, you know, applications to whatever you want to call it. You know, hey, I'd love to come do your show, blah, 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 whatever. And they go, oh, we're fully booked. And I look at the thing and they got four people who are nobodies but they have 300,000 followers on Twitter and Instagram and this because, you know, that's what they do. Wow. What the fuck? 
you know? So they've now become stars, and it's just like, come on. I had no idea. I mm-hmm. didn't. I didn't even know they had limited space, but I mean, it makes sense. But um, well, limited space, limited budgets—they can only bring so many people in. They have so many tables to give to a celebrity or an autograph signer or whatever, and they gotta have space to have you know the the, the customers, the people walk in the door. Wow. that's how that works. They have a budget to work from, and that's it. You know, and I just scratch my head. I go, "Oh my god, really?" Whatever. Imagine this person's a celebrity because they review toys or review like stuff on a, or review food on YouTube or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's almost like I, I almost don't have a problem with that because they're actually serving a purpose. They're informing you of the product, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, raspberry diet tea Snapple. Hey, you know what? It tastes like raspberry and da da da, but it doesn't really have the. Di- and they do a review and I'm like, okay, I got that. They can actually open. Okay, da, 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 okay, fine. It's another thing when they show up in their bikini, you know, oh, yeah. and they got 36 double D's and, you know, they comb their hair. Look, I'm here. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. I, that's yeah. not a talent. That's not a talent. That's, that's the good Lord or the doctors, one or the other. Very true. I the agree. plastic surgeon or the good Lord. You've been blessed to have that. And then, bam, instant celebrity because they got followers. Automatic. It is as automatic as the sun shining. If you're willing to, to do that. And I don't find fault in doing it. You know, if I was 20 again and I had that, of course. That's the easiest job in the world. You roll out of bed and you do your hair and you put on your bikini and you go, hi, everybody. And then you, you know, whatever. <laughs> if that's what works for you, God bless. But don't call yourself a celebrity. You know. Well, one of those models that I like to call a hero is that, uh, remember uh, earlier this year, the fires in Australia? Mm-hmm. And um, there was this one chick, I think she had like OnlyFans or one of those that you have to pay to see her nudes. And like she said, hey, if if you sign up and pay monthly, I'll donate most of the do- donations to the Australian fires. And she donated like fucking millions of dollars. <laughs> I'm like, God damn. She provided a service. She, she did something for people. She took the money. She did what was in her heart to do whatever. Now, I'm sure she, she kept some of the money, so she's okay, too. It's not like, you know, she's looking for the top ramen on the shelf, <laughs> you know, right. while she just sent a check for 400000 to the police officers or the fire department. No, you know, of course. But good for her. That's cool. Okay. She used what she got for a good cause. Great. Yeah. You know, and we all do that in some form or fashion, you know. You know, I mean, I give to pediatric aids. I do stuff for hospitals, charities. You know, people ask me for stuff. No problem. Oh, nice. You know, I have anything, especially that has to do with kids. I've always, you know, because that's who I was, you know, so that's me giving back to the next generation of kids. That's so awesome. Or the man. generation after the whatever generation, whatever the hell it is now. <laughs> yeah, I can't even keep up with the names like Jen, whatever. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, I've had friends of mine that are ball players, and I see them, and they go to the hospitals, the kids with cancer, and the pediatric AIDS ward, and all that kind of stuff, and they sign balls for them or take a picture with them, and all that. It's not about money. It's not about notoriety. It's not about the press. It's about what's in your heart. 
for sure, man. You just make that kid's day, and that'll make a world of difference for him and every individual. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, Hulk Hogan did it for years. Went to hospitals, saw kids that were sick. Not in the press, not in the media. Did it because he understood what he meant to people. You know, he walked in a room with a bunch of sick kids. That makes their decade. They feel better. They smile. They laugh. They don't worry that they're sick for those few moments. You know, and it may even last longer than the few moments. You know, John Cena does it. You know, he's the most, you know, seen make-a-wish person ever. Wow. You know? But that that's partially because of what he does, but it's, it's a lot because of who he is. He's that guy. He gives back. He understands, you know, these are fans. These are kids. Whatever. You know, how do you not do when, when they have so much, how do you not do for somebody who didn't ask for this, didn't ask to be sick? For sure. You know, who's 12 or 10, whatever. How do you not go and do for them? You know, and it's not like they're asking you to build them a house. <laughs> you know, no, they want to shake your hand. They want to hug. They want to say hi. They want to talk to you, you know, about, oh, man, that match you had with The Undertaker or whatever. You know, they live vicariously through you. So you're a hero. And, and the greatest thing of all is to be the hero. You know, not be a jerk and a schmuck and an idiot. and No, you know, you smile, you put on the face because that's what you're supposed to do. That's the right thing to do. For sure. And, you know, that's a great way to give back, you know, just make their day. Yeah. I mean, I've met a lot of people in my, you know, years of showbiz, my 43 years, you know, and I've had a lot of great experiences. I've had a couple that were just, they were just assholes and that's just the world we live in. But most people are pretty cool and kind and, you know, like you started, you know, I'm a fan. This great. You know, thank you. I appreciate that. Something I did is, is remembered. Mm -hmm. That's nice. You know, I don't have any kids, probably not going to have any kids. So my legacy is, is what it is. They, they made a statue of me, life-size statue in Hammond, Indiana, the home of Gene Shepard, who wrote a Christmas story. Oh, wow. So they wanted a character from the movie to do this bronze statue of, and they picked me. Okay, fine. That statue in five bucks gets me a cup of coffee, you know, and, and a couple of donuts at Dunkin' Donuts. That's the reality of it. But it's something that you leave behind and people can go there and see it and smile and it brings a good memory and it makes people feel good. And it's, oh my God, remember this. Grandma used to watch, wanted to watch this with me. Grandpa used to want to, so it brings back good memories. It makes people feel good, you know? So in, in that way, I've left a legacy. I've left something behind that's going to make people smile and feel good. For sure. A lot like Richard, you know? A lot like yeah. Richard Pryor, you know, he's, you know, people asked him, you know, when you're gone, you know, how do you want to be remembered or whatever? And he said, listen, you know, if, if my name comes up, I hope they smile and laugh. Great. That's fucking awesome. And, um, you've done great work, man. I love it. And, um, anything, you uh, know, you'd like to mention any, anything in the, in the works or 
no nothing else man we, we we pretty much covered it you know i just i hope everybody out there just stays healthy and does the right thing and don't do nothing stupid you know <laughs> i mean i have a lot of other views that i just keep to myself at this point but it's just like just do the right thing so we can get through this damn thing stay home if you can stay home you got you going out wear a mask do the right thing we all hate it beyond belief we all hate it we know that you know you're doing it for you you're doing it for the community for the country whatever it just it is what it is doesn't mean we have to like it though you know but stay healthy be well everybody you know enjoy life try and have a smile and a laugh every day i love that i love that well thanks again man and uh keep doing what you're doing man i love that you're helping out the kids as well man that's fucking amazing always I, you know it's just something you know that i mean i've done different charities different work all that kind of stuff and you know especially for you know either sick kids or kids in showbiz whatever it is you try and give them a word of advice you try and help them out um you know and the kids that aren't so well you know just look at ourselves you know and, we got uh, 10 fingers 10 toes we can walk we can talk and some of them can't a lot of stuff you know, we take for granted. We take everything for granted. From getting up in the morning and being able to just get out of bed. Think of those who can't at four and six and eight and ten. What is the life that they get to look forward to? It is so different from ours. Wow. Why not? Why not give them a smile? You know. So there you go. Wow, man. Very, very touching words, man. I love it. Thank you, Chewy. <laughs> wow, man. <laughs> well, thanks again for being on, man. I really do appreciate it, man. You got it, Chewy. You take care of yourself. You stay well and healthy, too, brother. Hey, you too. You have a good day. Take care, everybody. Stay well. Later. everyone thanks for tuning in and if you'd like to support this podcast you can find me at anchor.fm slash screaming chewy gmail com there'll be three options for a monthly subscription first one i believe starts at a dollar a month yo yeah dollar a month yeah and if you don't want to that's cool you can follow me on facebook and youtube screaming chewy show for some memes some more videos for episodes and behind the scenes kind of deal, right? You can follow me on Twitter, uh, Screaming Chewy. Yeah, not Screaming Chewy, so I should probably change it. But it's just Screaming Chewy. And uh, thanks for listening. Peace.